morning. Our scripture reading is Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 down to verse 20. Verse 12. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of spirit, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body. And be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Verse 17, And whatsoever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, Provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. This has been the reading of God's Word. Wow. Good morning, church. Please open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter number 5. Ephesians chapter number 5. And also place a marker in Genesis chapter number 3 and verse number 16. Ephesians chapter number 5, verse 21, and Genesis 3 and verse 16. We have, we have sat through a couple of um, Sundays um, studying on the family as Pastor Matt took us through and Papa John continued and I've been given the privilege to speak, and so I see it fitting to speak also on the family. Um, I must admit, my family is not the best, okay? My family is not the perfect family in the world. And I must also admit that I'm not a perfect father, or husband. But I submit to you this morning and I come to you this morning using the perfect word of God so that you and I can rule our lives to that end. And so with that, I want to speak to you this morning on the subject building a biblical home. What does it take to build a home that is not only a good home, but a biblical home. A home that is based, a home that is built on the foundations of God's Word. What does it take? You and I, we desire, you and I, we crave, you and I, we long as parents to have a better home. And we drive and we shape and we mold our children those around us, to try to achieve that end. Everyone in the whole world has some idea and some some dreams to have a home that is a good home. 
Who on earth doesn't want a good home? We all want a good home. But it takes a perfect God to build a good home. So you, you, you can't have a godly home. You can't have a biblical home without God. You cannot. Every, every man can have a home, but without God, his home comes crumbling down. Show me a man who has, who's got a home without God that still stands. Show me one. You will not find one. But show me a man who's got a home that is built on the foundation of God's word. And you will find men and women who don't break a back, but on their knees, building their homes on the foundation of God's word. And that is our need this morning. That is our need. See, our society, our homes are under attack. Our children are under attack. The entire Papua New Guinea is under attack from the devil because of home. There is no home. The children wild. The children can do anything they want. They can loot, they can burn, they can steal, they can kill, they can rape because there is no home. Yes, there's a house, they've got a roof, they've got a mom and dad, but there is no home. What is a home? What is a home? You can have a house, a roof, a pillow and a bed and call it a house, but it may not be a home. A home is a place where the father, the mother, the husband, the wife and the child have an interaction and a relationship that is common, that is built on a good end. And a godly home is built on God's word. So Capital City Baptist Church, we need godly homes. Fathers, we need godly homes. Mothers, we need godly homes. Children, we need godly homes. Your home and my home needs to be a godly home. A home that is built on God's word. Because if it's not, friend, your home is going to crumble. It is going to crumble. Without God's word, you will produce children that, will, that can go out and steal, kill, and destroy and loot. Because we parents do not provide a godly home. I'm going to hammer you dads now. Dads, stand up on your feet and lead your homes. Don't zip your mouth. Lead your children, lead your wife, lead your home. Because if you don't, your child will go and steal, kill and rob and loot. Dads, the honor is on you. God gave that responsibility for you, dad. We will see that in the Bible. We will see that in the Bible. Our society is under attack. But most importantly, our churches are under attack because God is not the first in the home. Why are our churches breaking up? Because God is not the first in the homes. We need God in our churches. We need God in our families. 
There is a concept I want you to grasp this morning. And the concept is this. God has a kingdom. His kingdom is made up of his chosen and the church. The church is made up of families. You are part of that family. You are part of God's kingdom. You, God has placed you in the family, and your family in the local church, and your church in the body of Christ, and the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, which is the kingdom of God. And so fathers, act like you're a part of the kingdom of God. Mothers, act like you're a part of the kingdom of God. Children, act like you're a part of the kingdom of God. Because you are a part of God's kingdom. This is God's kingdom we're dealing with. And if you say you're saved and born again, and your actions and attitudes don't match up with God's word, there is something wrong with your salvation. You need to be acting like someone who belongs to God's kingdom. And the family is God's kingdom. You are a part of this glorious design. The family is a great part of our society and our church. And this concept we must not forget. Building a godly home is vital in any society. So I stand before you not as a perfect man, but someone who has experienced life. And someone who knows that if I don't stand on God's word, my family will crumble. We need to stand on God's word. We need to stand on God's word. Church, let's allow the sure foundation of God's word and let us all allow the master builder, the great architect, to build our homes for his express glory. There are three occupants in the house. Three. Okay. Say, no, no, I've got seven. No, there's three occupants in the house. The husband, the wife, and the children. So I want to deal with these three people right here. The husband, the wife, and the children, because this tree consists of a home, and this tree can make the, biblic- the home a biblical home if this tree obey God. So let's deal with this tree. In our, in our scripture this morning, verse 21, Ephesians 5 and verse 21, the Bible begins this passage with this, this word, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Submitting yourselves. Husband, wife, children, submitting yourselves one to another. If we don't get this right, if we don't get this right, nothing will be right in homes. Submitting, wife submitting to the husband, husband submitting to the wife, children submitting to the parents, Parents, love your children. Don't submit to them. But there is a submission that is there. A 
a submission that is all-inclusive. It's a mutual expression of submission, a mutual expression that should define a Christian home, a definition called submission. Husbands submit, wives submit, children submit. That's the head talk. That's the head talk. And that is the foundation from which we will get all this. It goes on in verse number 22. Before we go to verse 22, let's, let's look at this verse 21 first. Submitting yourselves one to another, that's a collective, all right? Submis- submitting is the word hypotasso. It means a reflective obedience. Reflective obedience. Son, yes, dad. Son, yes, dad. Daughter, yes. Wife, yes, honey. Uh, husband, yes, honey. Reflective obedience, okay? Not son, mm, son, mm. no, 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 no. That doesn't work, all right? Reflective obedience, hypotasso, submitting yourselves one to another. Because if there is no submission going around in that circle, that's going to be miscommunication, frustration, and bellhop, na house by Sidang Karangi. All right? You miss out because there is no submission there, all right? So we go to verse 22. Oh, we, the, sorry, sorry, sorry. The wife, the husband, and the children are to submit to each other, respect each other, honor one another. Romans 12, verse 10 talks about it, all right? And from, uh, Philippians 2, verse 3 also talks about it. Verse 22, Paul speaks it this way. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands, as it is as unto the Lord. All right? It, it, is a, it is an imperative or a command, I must say. Verse 22, there is a, ye wives, you wives, pay attention, you wives, listen. You wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Now, Paul commands the wives to submit to their own husbands. See, this is what a wife needs to do, all right? Interestingly, as I was studying and as I was going through the cross-referencing, many of the cross-references pointed me back to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 16. Genesis 3 and verse 16. So I said, hmm, what's Genesis 3, 16? So let's go to Genesis 3, 16 and have a look at this. Because it, it tells us some things about what the verse is talking about. So Genesis chapter 3 and verse 16. Genesis 3, verse 16. Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow. God is cursing the serpent. And then God curses the woman. And God curses the ground. All right? Verse 16. I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children. And thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Your desire will be to your husband. 
but he will rule over you. And I began to think, I began to think, to think why, what is this verse saying? The wife will have a great desire for the husband, but the husband will rule over her. All right? As I was looking at this, and then I realized the reason why, the reason why Paul or God is commanding the wife to submit to the husband is because of the weakness that she has in that area. The weakness that she has in that area. See, the desire, sukwa, a desire of craving to devour and overrule. That's what it means. So the wife will want to overrule. She's got the desire naturally to overrule the husband. Okay? Understand this. God is giving these words after the fall. After Adam sinned, God is now dishing out all this. Now God is saying, it's not, it's, not, it's not this way in the beginning, but because you have sinned, now your desire is going to be to overrule your husband. All right? And your husband, Masal, shall exercise dominion over you. All right? And I got to see this, and I'm, I'm studying it, and I come across three ideas I want to share with you this morning. See, there is a, 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 a term called egalitarianism. It means that there is no hierarchy between a man and a woman before the fall. Okay? That means that no one, the men and the women were like this, all equal, co-equal, and Adam was not above or Eve was not above. They were just, you know, boss, boss, and they were looking after the garden. All right? It's called egalitarianism. And to understand what Genesis 3, 16 is saying, there are three views to it that the wife is commanded to submit, and we need to understand what is happening at hand. One is the reaffirmation of the creation hierarchy, okay? Creation hierarchy, Adam was made first, the woman must submit because she came out from Adam. So the wife must devote because husband is to lead her, and it is a summon for a couple to return to the creation, how God has dealt with them. And two is the perversion of creational hierarchy, okay? The perversion of creational headship, which means that what they have done, they have perverted what God has instituted. The, the husband, the head, the wife to be submissive to the husband. And the, tri- the third is the imposition of creation headship, okay? The imposition of creation headship. See, there is a translation, a translation of, of the Bible that is called a New, in, New English Version or New English Translation. And this Bible says it this way, translates this way. Tells Eve, God is telling Eve, you will want to control your husband, but he will want to dominate you. Okay? Let me repeat that. You will want to control your husband, but he will dominate you. That's the New English version of the Genesis 3 and verse 16. And I thought that is 
pinpoint accurate. The woman wants to dominate the husband, but the husband will want to dominate her. All right? There is a struggle. And this struggle must be acknowledged at home before we have that godly home. All right? Now, due to the fall, the wife will have the tendency to not express submission. She will naturally want to lead the husband and many times to overrule him. Okay? Now, the over, over, wanting to overrule and the act of domination are both negatives. All right? They're both negatives. The, the wife must not want to overrule. She must submit, but the husband should not dominate, but to love and lead. So both are negatives. All right? First Timothy chapter 2, verses 13 to 15. For Adam was first formed than Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. The devil came to Eve, and Eve paid attention and submitted to that which was not her own husband. Can I repeat that again? Eve heard, Eve agreed, Eve grasped voice and words of someone who was not her own husband. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. Don't be like Eve. Submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. First Peter chapter 3 and verse 1. First Peter chapter 3 and verse 1, it says, Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not by the word, they also shall without the word be won by the conversation of the wife, while they beheld your chaste conversation coupled with fear. Why is Paul hammering this home? Why is Paul continually beating this to the church? Because the wife has a weakness in not submitting to the husband. So Paul says, to have a godly biblical home first, the wife needs to submit to the husband. All right? So, let's come back to us, Papua New Guinea. Because it happens all around the world, but you mean it. This is how we think. Submission is to us, our society, the wife sweeping the house, cooking food before 4 o'clock, before the husband comes home, the wife taking care of the kids, cleaning push and all, the wives hanging up the clothes, the wife washing the dishes. We think that's submission. That is not. That is not submission. That is a wife laboring for a lazy husband and lazy children. That is not submission. All right? 
Submission. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husband. All right? They didn't say to the, to the kitchen. They didn't say to the toilet. They didn't say to the laundromat. They didn't say to the bedroom. They didn't say to the brooms. Wives, submit to the husband. That's the calling of the wife. All right? Understand that. Now, here's a straight line. Here's a straight line. Wife, submission, obedience to God. Wife, submission, obedience to God. That's a straight line. The measure of your obedience and submission to your husband is the same to your God. Let me say that again. The measure of your obedience and submission to your husband is the same to your God. You say, Brother Eric, my husband is an unsaved man. First Peter already dealt with that. You be faithful, woman. You be faithful to your husband. You be faithful. Your faithfulness and your conversation, your life, can win your husband to the Lord. And the second point here is in verse 25. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be subject unto their own husbands in everything. In everything. Description of everything belongs to the husband and the wife. Verse 25, you husbands, you husbands. Now take, take note of this. See, Paul is dealing with the believers. He's dealing with believers and he's talking about how the believers should walk in their faith. And then when it comes to the home, he didn't say fathers and mothers. He's dealing with husband and wife. Husband and wife. All right? Not fathers and mothers. Husband and wife. So we found that the wife has a weak point, which is insubordination. Cannot submit. submit. So the Bible says the wives submit. But then we come to verse 25 and we find that there is an issue with the husband also. And the issue is you husbands love. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church. Husbands, love your wives. See, there is a personal expression of love and sacrifice that should define the Christian home. This should primarily be emanating from the husband. Note with me that the personal love and sacrifice is required within the bonds of marriage only. Between the husband and the wife. My expression of love and sacrifice shouldn't be to another, but to the wife that God has given me. That's the expression Ruth. You husbands... You husbands, love 
your wives. Your wife is not your labor. Your wife is not your cleaner. Your wife is not your cook. Your wife is not your laundromat. Your wife is your wife. Love her. Love her. Why does Paul touch that? Because we have a problem with loving our wives. Because why? We want to love every other woman in this world and anything else. That's our failure. Husbands, love your wives. Husbands, listen carefully. Husbands, listen carefully. If you want a godly home, if you want a godly home, love your wife. You say, but Eric, what does that mean? What does that mean? I'm glad you asked, because the Bible tells us about it. Husbands, love your wives. You know, our culture tells us different things. Our culture tells us different things. Our culture tells us that you am gilly Suppose you had it married on you. You am gilly Suppose you had it married on you. My friends, listen carefully. Pay attention. Pay attention to these words. This is God's word. Husbands, love your wives. It doesn't get any louder and harder than that. God says it. Husbands, love your wives. It's a relationship between you and your wife. Doesn't concern anybody else. Once you get that corrected, everybody else will watch it and they will see a design, a design made by the master architect, God, how his kingdom should be. Husbands, we have that privilege and that great responsibility God has given to us to love our wives. Love your wives, it's an emotion, it's a, feel, it's a spiritual, it's a feeling. It's, it has to do with the spirit and the soul of the husband to the wife. The word is agape. The word is agape, and that's the word that we know God showed, okay? But here in this word, husbands, love your wives, the word is agapesu. It means agapao, agapao, agape, agape, agapao. Those are the words that are variants to love. But this instant, the word agapao is used with a deeper connotation or a meaning. And the deeper meaning is this. A man should be joyfully content with his wife. That's what it means. It means a man should be highly pleased with his wife. And it gives a picture of a, a potter and a clay. And the, and the potter gets the clay and he shapes it and molds it, puts water on it and wipes it and molds it more. And the potter, as he molds that clay, loves the clay, loves his creation, loves what he's putting his time and effort into. That love and bond creates because he is putting work into his words. In 1508, between 1508 and 1512, in the Sistine Chapel, Michelangelo, he painted the Last Judgment, a great architecture, architecture of a building 
and a great um, roofing system, and Michelangelo lies under a great roof, and he paints the picture of God's hand meeting human finger this way. Have you seen that picture? Michelangelo drew it. And there are words that say Michelangelo physically slept, ate, toileted, everything up there on that structure without getting off. He loved what he was doing. He, he gave his poor everything to the painting of God's finger, meeting human finger, and he loved every bit of it. He wept at it. He worked at it. He worked at it. It was his masterpiece, his artwork. Oh, husbands, God gave us a masterpiece. God gave us a diamond in the rough. God gave us a wife. So you and I can love our wives. You and I can shape our wives. You and I can mold our wives. You and I can make sure that what we are doing will come and will be given as a thing of glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. And indeed, Christ deals with this. See, Christ gave himself for the church. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Do you see those words? Brothers, do you see those words? Men, do you see those words? Husbands, do you see those words? God gave a wife to you. You give yourself to her. A greater responsibility. God has given. Husbands, willfully deliberate action that is premeditated. Time and effort. Give your all to your wife. The love and sacrifice are not demanded. Nor are they grudgingly given. Rather, these are commanded because they are needed and are given by the one that walks in the spirit. You see, husbands, you cannot do it on your own. We cannot do it, husbands. That's our failure. We cannot. See, if we don't walk in the spirit, if we don't walk in Christ, we will never love our wives. Or she may be one of those lovers. Husbands, wake up. Husbands, wake up. Love your wives if you want a godly home. Husbands, love your wives. In expressing love and sacrifice, Paul gives us the picture of how, as men, we should love our wives. And he says it in verse 26. Christ gave himself for a church, and this is what Christ did, that he might sanctify and cleanse the church with the washing of water by the word. Christ gave himself for the church. You and I, believers, 
that he might sanctify the church, he might cleanse the church, by how? The washing of the word. Brothers, pay attention. God gave your wife to you that you may sanctify her, you may cleanse her by the washing of the word. How? By the word. By the word. See, hagiazo and katarizo, these two words, hagiazo and katarizo, Hagiazo is sanctified, make it holy, separate from the unholy. Katarizo, scourge, clean, purge, make it clean, make it shiny. Sanctify it and cleanse it. Both these words are present, active participles. It means a continuous action. You've got to do that every day, my friends. We have to do this every day, my brothers. We have to do this every day, my brothers. We have to love our wives. We have to sanctify them. We have to cleanse them. How? 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 Catch this. Catch this, please. By the washing of the word. It's the word. This word washes dirt away this word. No other words but the word of God. And if you want to do it right, if you want to have a godly home, have a, have a home that is built on the, on the Bible, on the God's word, you've got to do it with God's word itself. See, John chapter 15 verse 3, now you are clean through the word which I have spoken. Jesus telling the disciples, you're clean now. Because of the words I have spoken. Where are the words that Christ spoke? They're here. They're here. How do you want your wife to be, behave and to, to submit to you and to do everything you as a husband want? You need to work at it, friends. Work at it. Sanctify it. Cleanse it by the washing of the word. Eno tok tok natin. Eno honey go. Can I make this statement? Can I make this statement? Since I said honey go. It's not in, the, not in my notes. Suppose you, ma'am, the party married on you, you should not hear today. Me talking to you. Han on you. God is making him, you know, the party married on you, but love him. Call him come close to Lord Bell on you. School him, man. School him, man. And work on you. God, he put him in the hand on you, Lord, school him. Mary blown you. You school him, Lord. Talk to God one time. Can him talk to God? Talk to him one time. Give him a talk, Lord. Bell blown you. School him, Mary blown you. And Bahari. Hand on you. If I did Mary blown you, mask him. Me no got talk talk. No got me talk talk, no me abruptly click. But you know, man, suppose you fight him, Mary blown you. That's all I can say. You know, man, suppose you fight him, Mary blown you. You're less than a man. You're less than a man if you belt your wife. You're less than a man. A man should love his wife. John 17, verse 17, Sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth. Sanctify 
your wife to your word, to God's word. His word is truth. Note with me the following terms in verse 26 and 27. The terms are here. Sanctify, cleanse, washing, present, not having spot or wrinkle, holy and without blemish. You see those terms in there? These terms are the terms of the priestly work in the tabernacle. A priest and what he does, he does these terms right here. My friends, husbands, listen. You are the priest of your home. Can I say this again? You are the priest of your home. And God has placed your wife and your children under you for you as the priest to stand in the gap and lead them to him. You're the priest of your home, primarily to your wife. Husbands, you're the priest of your home, primarily to your wife. Verse 27, and as we go down, that he might present it to himself a glorious church. You see? You see why Christ sanctified and cleansed the church with the, with the washing of the word? That he might present it to himself a glorious church. I was meditating upon this and I, I kind of tickled myself because like Christ, Christ is washing and he's, he's cleansing the church and then he brings it as a gift and he walks into the temple and as he gives that gift, he himself goes around the other way and receives it to himself. As I work with my wife, as I work with her, as I, as I try to mold her, as I try to bring her up, how the Bible says it, as I do those things, I'm thinking, one day, in heaven, of course, one day, I will present her to myself as a glorious wife. My friends, aim high. Brothers, aim high. All married men, aim high. Aim high. Aim to have that present that you will present to yourself, a glorious present. And that is your wife. Love your wife. Love your wife. Love your wife. See, without spot or wrinkle, verse 28, so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. Now, now, Paul is telling us, we have, a, we have a problem, okay? Paul is telling us, man, we have a problem. We have a problem. See, ladies can stand in the mirror, and we will talk about, oh, you waste your time, oh, you, you want to put this, put that, and you want to, you know. You spend a lot of time on the mirror. Ladies show us them. We don't show the ladies what we do in our hearts. We hide it. Here is the problem, okay? Here is the problem. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth, his wife loveth himself. We love ourselves, right? Men, we love ourselves. And the Bible says that love of self, we should transfer that to her. We've been very hypocritical when we teach our wives and those about the house 
and say, you're wasting too much time on, on the mirror. When we ourselves, in our own mirror, in our hearts, stand before our hearts and comb our hairs, put our own makeups, show our muscles to ourselves, we think we are it, but we are not. All right? We need to love our wives. Verse 29, for no man yet hated his own flesh. All right? I have not seen a man go into the shower room, get a razor blade, and start chopping himself, you know. And singing in a shower with razor blade, cutting yourself. Blood coming out. You know? Brushing your teeth with wire brush. We don't do that, man. We don't do that. We don't. We need to love our wives as we love ourselves. For no man yet hated himself, his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, even as Christ, the Lord, the church. Verse 30, for we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For we are members of his body. We are members of his body. That is why we need to love our wives. That is why we need to submit to our own husbands. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall join unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. All right? The picture of the husband and the wife relationship is a direct picture of the relationship of Christ and the church. God forbid, men, that we mar, we, we paint that picture in a wrong way in our homes. Men of Capital City Baptist Church, I urge you, love your wives. Love your wives. Women of Capital City Baptist Church, I urge you, be in subjection to your own husbands. Because we cannot build this thing called family. We cannot build this thing called a godly home if we don't love and submit. Nevertheless, verse 33, and he summarizes the thoughts. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular. All right? He didn't just say every one of you. He said every one of you in particular. That means you. You. No, what money means? You. You, 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 you. Every one of you. Every one of you. Every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself. And the wife see that she reverence her husband. First Peter chapter 3 and verse 7 talks about it. And then we come to chapter 6 and verse 1. Children. The, the third aspect of a godly home. Wives, submit. Husbands, love. Children, obey your parents. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. We live in a society where everyone thinks 
or every child thinks they have rights to everything. We live in a society where everyone thinks he's got a right to steal, kill, and destroy. We live in a society where everyone mobs up and can do evil to its greatest extent and no one talks about it. Why? Because many homes are not built upon God's words or foundation. This obedience from a child or from the children, hyperquo, the obedience, kind of obedience, hyperquo here, children, hyperquo, your parents in the Lord. It means be like a chameleon. Be like a chameleon, okay? You know what a chameleon is? It's like a lizard, a big lizard, that when it goes and stalks or sits on a tree, it changes its form to be like the tree. The color will change, it's camouflage like the tree. Children, when your parents are giving you instructions in the Lord, hypocrite, hypocrite, stick to that and become it. Become that. Don't suck him talk, but obey your parents in the Lord. You conform to the wishes or godly wishes of your parents. Disobedience is good for you. Why? Because it is your right to what is right. You will live well and you will live long on this earth. Children, your obedience to God, your obedience to your parents is directly tied to your obedience to God. And Pastor Matt talked about this. I'm repeating this. There is a straight line. The line is children, obedience, God. Your obedience to your parents is directly tied to your obedience to God. Children, obey your parents. Before I jump on to the next one, I want to say this. There are many children in our society without parents. We as fathers and mothers need to draw them in and help them to be a father or mother figure to them. Because if we don't, we will lose this generation. We will lose a generation to a mindset that can jump up in an instant and burn and steal and kill. And that mindset is prevalent in our society today. We need to gather our children and those children who are neglected and let about in, this, in, the, in the way. Gather them and bring them together. We need to be parents to them because without the parents, the children will grow into a society that will drag them in and dish them out 
into sin and damn them in a place called hell. And we, as parents, need to be careful about that. And lastly, to build a godly home, there needs to be an absence of negative provocation in upbringing. Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. The idea of this is fathers, don't pour petrol onto the fire. Okay? There is a fire that is already burning in the sinful hearts of the young ones that God has given us. A fire of sin. And we as fathers, it's directed to us, we need to be very, very careful as we bring up our children not to pour petrol to the existing fire. They are already sinful children. We need to come to them with a heart of love. Talking all, awesome. Passing all, making and me wrong, and me sin. Book Bible, let me talk, and me awesome. But school him all. Suppose you know school him, picking him on you. Tassel, you see him stick, then you pite him, and you see him petrol, and you pour him no fire. Don't do that. Fathers, we need to be careful in how we deal with our children. Because at the moment of rage, fathers, by which seems the hand, you're supposed to love your child, now by you fighting is the beginning of the new. You just pour petrol on the fire. Provoke not your child to wrath. Fathers, me talk to me. Because Paul and Tokolonimi, God and talking Paul, talking more fathers, they have a weakness in this area. Let them know, fathers. Provoke not your children to wrath. The wrath and rage of sin already burns within the bosoms of any child. As fathers, we are to refrain from leading them towards sin by how we deal with situations at home. So I have to be careful as a father. As I approach my children, I have to be very careful. Because I can, in a moment, pour petrol on my child and make that sinful fire become a destructive fire. I can do that, or I can either help quench that fire, kill him, the fire. And I must approach it, how? By the cleansing of the word, through the word itself. So fathers, we have a greater responsibility. And I will wrap up shortly. Be careful. Be careful. Positive provocation is good. Hebrews 10, verse 24. Hebrews 10, verse 24, says this. If you go to Bibles, open to Hebrews 10, verse 24. And I will read it for you. The Bible says, and let us consider one another to provoke unto good works. 
should not provoke them to wrath, but we should provoke them to good works. We should encourage them to do that which is right. And in closing, in building a biblical home, there must be a mutual expression of submission. There must also be a personal expression of love and sacrifice. So the measure of your submission to your husband is the measure of your submission to God. The measure of your love to your wife is the measure of your love to God. And the measure of your obedience to your parents is the measure of your obedience to God. There must be voluntary expression of obedience. And then, fourthly, lastly, there must be an absence, an absence of negative provocation in upbringing. Conclusion, because the home is a reflection of the will and the marriage that God has prepared, it's a reflection of his greater purposes. It is fitting for us as fathers and mothers, husbands and wives, to ask the master builder to help us build a godly biblical home. And may our neighbors, friends, family, see and experience the grace of God through you and I, our homes. Every head's bowed and every echo. Fathers, we have a responsibility. It weighed heavily, heavily on the fathers, but equally it, it has weighed heavily on the mothers, the wives. Wives, submit. Husbands, love. Children, obey. Fathers, provoke not. Men, we have a greater responsibility on our hands. With every eye bowed and every eye closed, I want to pray for us this morning as a church. I want to pray that God helps us as we build this home. Let us pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we are so grateful and thankful for your word this morning. Father, we ask that may you help us each, wives to submit, husbands to love, and children to obey. Dear Lord, we come into this not as one who has achieved, but one who is still working on this. Lord, help us as we work through this. We thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.